Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Uh, just great. I can tell. Just great. Uh, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just uh, here. I'm going to have a few uh, bubbly beverages. I'm going to talk about watches i mean really what could be better i don't know (laughs) andrew how are you good i'm on the tail end of my weekend i mowed my lawn fine yeah finally finally finally, you say that like i was like three weeks late to the party Mm -hmm. my lawn needed mowing you were literally three weeks late to the party no i was just the first person in the neighborhood to fertilize my lawn (laughs) so mine was the first one to need mowing everyone else mows on saturday and sunday I don't get with that noise, so I mowed on Monday. So, eat the dicks. My lawn is mowed, and it looks just as nice as everyone else's. I didn't clean up the grass, though. I think mine looks nicer. It does, because yes. you cleaned up the grass. Yes. Also, you weren't mowing, like, eight-inch grass. Yeah. I was mowing forest. And, uh, but good. Other than that, we've had, like, it finally feels like spring. I've, I've been talking about this, like, for the last couple of days with folks. It hasn't yeah. felt like spring here yet. Yeah, it's been cold and rainy, which I know is what people think of when they think of the Pacific Northwest. But usually by May, mid-May, we've had maybe an 80 degree day, a full week of 70 degree days. And we just had our first 70 degree day this weekend. And it was beautiful. It was lovely. It was God bless it. It was so good. Yeah. And now so now it's here. Now spring is finally here. The lawns are getting mowed. Spring some warm days. It means I'm going to be able to go fishing and be comfortable. At one point on the lawn, there was like. Four people all kind of mowing their lawns at once. What's weird is that we have our neighbors, at least my neighbors, have landscapers that come once a week, every week, all the way through the winter. I'm not sure what they're doing in like January and February, <laughs> but they're out there running power tools uh, Wednesday and Friday. All right. Enough of that. No, it's, yeah, exactly. Enough, enough of, that. of that because... Because we're talking about watches today, Andrew. As usual. And, and and to that end, we got our friend Eric from Rico's Watches Podcast, who's decided to join us. He's decided to grace us with his handsome mug. Uh, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, wow, that's a really kind intro, and thanks so much. I, was, I think we were saying earlier, uh, you know, kind of like me and Andrew are like the 2.0 versions of each other, exactly. right? Just it's kind of a mirror. Bald white guys, yeah. yeah. Sweet <laughs> bald white guy party. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much. That's, I, that's, uh, I'm not bald. I just want everybody oh, to know, for the record, yeah, yeah. I've got and, really nice hair. And a, and a wonderful, mustache. wonderful mustache, yes. Perfect. Thank, thank you. If I didn't have the facial hair of a prepubescent boy, I would hope I can have a mustache half as cool as that. So that's the, that's the greatest compliment my mustache has ever gotten. Hey, I'm all about the love, compliment. man. Wow, it's, it's a nice, wow, it's a nice Canadian compliment, eh? But uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm great. I'm thank you so much for coming, having me on the show. I mean, it's it's uh, a pleasure to come and do this with a couple of other big names that are you know in the, the watch podcasting biz as big as you can be in this biz right so it's it's sweet to to chat with you guys i'm really looking forward to it thank you so much for for inviting me on and um yeah that that's it i mean people who aren't really familiar with the show or uh, aren't familiar with who i am i'm the host of rico's watches podcast a very similar kind of format uh, i guess to kind of what you guys do so just 
I have guests on from the watch industry, uh, from sort of all walks and aspects of the watch industry, whether it's uh, CEOs, it's other brands, it's brand owners, collectors, um, designers. I've, you know, I've kind of had everybody from collectors off Instagram to uh, product designers from Tudor and Rolex on my show. And I've, I've been very, uh, very blessed with the, uh, guests that have come on and given their time and uh, their feedback to the show and well so let's let's talk about that a little bit so you've been doing this now for a year and a half ish not quite a year and a half i think um in this in this context in the interview context uh i think every week you do interviews right so you never do a solo dialogue show or monologue as it would be um you're always interviewing someone from the community right yeah i did it i did a christmas special I did like the Star Wars Christmas special and uh, it wasn't Star Wars related, but it was just kind of that kind of style where I just did like a short eight and a half minute kind of thing and just wishing people a Merry Christmas. And other than that, yeah, I've, I've, I think every week I, I have someone on um, right when I started and I kind of was starting to put um, uh, content out. Uh, I really wanted to do that big push. So I, you know, I was putting out three, four episodes a week until I got to about 30 or 40 episodes and just going as hard as I could. And then now I've settled into a schedule of every Friday, I uh, release an episode with a, a new guest and I've had a few uh, returning guests come on as well too, but uh, generally it's always someone new from the watch community. And, and so give us a little bit about your background. How did you get to watches? How did you get to the point where you're sitting at your computer uh, and you're like, you know what I should, I should have someone join me via a Zoom call and then record it for the world to listen to us. You know, it's interesting. I ask my guests that every single episode. That's like my first question out the gate is just, you know, how did you get into this and how did it end up to this point for you? I've never been on the other side of that question. I I, I, I know. And and in fact, in fact, (laughs) I will say, uh, Eric, we always research our guests. Oh, okay. Uh, And very stocky. It is very stocky. Yeah. So, you know, between the two of us, we have access to lots of personal records. However, you're in Canada, uh, which makes that harder. And also, you don't talk about yourself a lot. You know, I've listened to your show for going on a year at this point, and it is not the type of show where you talk a lot about yourself. So I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about you. uh, Because there is nothing out there about you except for your show. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that's uh, it's by design. I did that on purpose. Um, and know, we're for, going to ruin that. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I, I knew coming on the show, you guys are going to ask questions. So I'm here to answer them as honestly and open as I can. And, and I hope that the people who, who listen to this and are familiar with me and my format appreciate it. But to answer your uh, your original question, um, like I've, I've been in I've been in watch collecting now for, geez, probably a good I'd say at least 10 years, maybe closer to 12 years. Um, I I wish I was one of these guys that had like, oh, you know, my great grandfather gave me his, you know, 1969 Speedmaster or something like that. Or I wish I had a cool story like that. But honestly, I was just like, I just came across him one day. My dad, uh, my father um, had always been kind of a watch guy, but never had watches, if that makes sense. Like he always appreciated them for what they were. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he, uh, in the nineties or he picked up like an old, uh, Bulova Marine star that was kind of his first nice watch. And, you know, for, for the nineties, it was a very nineties mm-hmm. watch. And I always remembered yeah. that I always remembered that watch growing up and being fascinated with it as a kid. 
but not really you know caring that it was a watch i just thought it was this cool object right is, is that the one made by orient is that the the orient uh mako case and bezel marine um, star well no so this one was from like the this one was from the this one was from the 1990s it was um it was, it was like a two-tone had like a blue kind of deep metallic dial with like a two-tone bracelet and oh, it, was it was the 90s old. so yeah yeah <laughs> you, you know my, my, my daughter has a 90s marine star and it's a case that's clearly made by orient in fact if you saw it from a distance you might think it was a mako you know i never i never opened up the back of it but no it's not it's a marine star but it's not a dive watch so oh, it oh, was mm, uh, yeah it was kind of it was just in name more than than in function and design but um yeah so when i was geez i don't know when I was younger, my dad decided to give me kind of like my first cool watch, right? And he he just it was wasn't something we discussed. It wasn't something I really was I, I expressed a lot of interest in. Um, but he just kind of was like, "Hey, I got this for you, and I thought you might like it. And this is why it's cool, and maybe you would appreciate it." And he actually gave me this one. I still have it. It's a Seiko Five uh, with a Seven S Two Six movement, and um, it still runs to this day. Never been serviced. Still keeps time. Love this thing. And um, that was really just the catalyst that set it all off. And, and I had a very um, typical experience, like got that, got another Seiko, got another Seiko, <laughs> bought a Sea Urchin, <laughs> bought an SKX, yeah. started moving in or moving into like, you know, getting monsters and things like that. And I was like, ah, it's a little, you know, not really for me, but I can appreciate the appeal. Um, and then I, my first real kind of springboard uh, piece was when I graduated high school, I had a little bit of money saved up um from some scholarships that we get up here in canada when you graduate high school with a certain level of achievement um so instead of you know doing something like completely responsible like you said for university tu tuition i went and bought myself an omega c master because i wanted the one that james bond had at casino royale that's the so, right choice that's the I, right choice to make well i, I mean you can go always go to college later you can't always <laughs> get james bond watch <laughs> that is true and uh, i was lucky enough i was able to do both but i uh i just really got into it and um that was it from there it was you know omega after omega i've had i don't even know how many five six seven omegas um was kind of an omega guy for a while decided to start expanding my horizons when i started to get more seriously into collecting probably after i met my wife um which would have been a while ago usually that like <laughs> really puts a puts the brakes on watch acquisitions so i mean i mean i know this isn't the dating advice yeah. show but i mean what i'll just say is <laughs> no you no we're, set, we're good with this yeah, yeah dating advice please you gotta set the precedent early boys yeah, no that's you got <laughs> you, you, you need to set it early because yeah if she's already made her mind up and you're letting her push you around then it's too late man. she's already, she's already once game over man you might as well you might as well give up it's fold but no she uh she was, she, you know, I mean, she didn't, she, like, she didn't get it at first, right? I mean, most people don't get it at first until they get it. Um, but she's always recognized that it's my thing. And I think, you know, especially with the show now, she's really seen that there's a, a community and that this is something I'm really passionate about. And it's sort of like the thing that I really care about. So she gets it now. She's pretty good with it. You know, as much as someone can be, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's hard every time, like the equivalent of a vacation to Hawaii arrives on the front doorstep, and she's like, "Oh, another watch! You know, it's gonna sit in your case or whatever, right?" Like, <laughs> I'll wear it. Know, it's yeah, I'll wear it sometimes. You know, wear it for the whole week, so she sees it everywhere, and then she never sees it again. But yeah, it, 
we she knows how it is so i mean it, it's good so anyways i as i kind of moved out of um you know omegas into other pieces um I picked up the Pelagos, which has always been my go-to piece. I love that watch, the, the Tudor Pelagos. It's a fantastic piece, really good everyday piece. And from there, I just like, I was like, wow, like this is something that I really, really enjoy. This watch, I'm enjoying having a more modern piece. And I kind of just started getting really, really into it. So then, of course, the pandemic rolls around, um, sitting around. I mean, I was uh, lucky enough to be in a in a job where I wasn't necessarily impacted by the pandemic in the sense that I had to worry about not having a job and not having not having money. So um, I was able to kind of enjoy the hobby a little bit more, but just have more money in my pockets because I'm not going out doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So picked up a couple more pieces, um, kind of started to be like, hey, I, I've never been a social media guy, um, but I figured why not give it a go i'll figure out let's, let's see what this instagram thing's all yeah, about no today. time like the present right right so i gave it a try um i set up uh i set up an instagram and i started taking some pictures i actually it was my instagram was actually something else it was like i was just kind of messing around with like trying to make some money on instagram like a lot of people i think kind of do and i started doing the whole like oh i'll make like an inspirational quote page or whatever so i did that kind of whole thing just to kind of play with it and see what happened uh, it got a, quite a bit of followers, like right at the beginning, like kind of how the algorithm works. And then I was like, man, I hate this. This is not fun. I'm not an inspirational person. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? So I changed it to a, to a watch account, started taking pictures, people, you know, I'm, I'm not a photographer. I don't take particularly good photos. I know nothing about photography, but I'm like, eh, let's give it a try. People started liking some of the photos. People started reaching out and just like introducing themselves, right? Like not to be like, oh, wow, your photos are so great. But just to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, nice to meet you. And we just start chatting. And I'm like, wow, like this is really nice. I mean, I've been a member of the Watch You Seek Forum for ever since basically I started getting into watches. And it's like a place is full of like surly old men. And, you know, it's not exactly my idea of a, of a, bump, of a bump in place, right? But uh the Instagram community is so kind and I had an opportunity to go on a couple I was invited on as a collector to a couple shows I had uh I went on a SoCal watch review um I think they kind of mm-hmm. did like a bit of a restructure of a lot of their episodes and the way they were kind of running the channel so I think a lot of their interviews they did with people they don't have up anymore but I did one I did one with them I did one with the Land Jam podcast those guys are really good too yeah those they're, guys are awesome they're running a really cool show over there and and, and a really really good podcast um and um i had this idea for a style of a show that i wanted to do and i pitched it uh to a few different people kind of in the space and they were all kind of like yeah like that sounds okay but not really you know we already kind of have our own thing going on and i'm like well fair enough and then i thought you know what like why don't i just why don't i give it a try right i'm like i'm pitching this idea to people it's i think i think it's a good idea why not give it a go so um, and my idea for the show is essentially this one-on-one interview format that is focused on the guest. There is some conversation, but it's primarily focused on the guest. And um, it's sort of each episode features a different guest from the watch community, from all walks of the watch community. And it's sort of an opportunity. Like I looked at it as essentially like I'm the curator that is, you know, collecting people's stories. Right. I'm 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 creating an opportunity to kind of chronicle the people of the watch community, almost like a, like a, was it faces of New York or people of New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But 
it's it's in a conversation format and it's targeted at the watch community and it's just it's this one-stop place where you can kind of learn about different people from all different walks they're doing all sorts of different things and learn about watches learn about maybe their brand learn about collections all kinds of stuff and i thought that was a super cool idea because it's what's what's, what's kind of cool about my show is i really have to do very little i just i'm like i just show up and i'm like hey tell me about this and then i just listen to my guest talk and i'm like cool tell me about this blah, 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 blah. you know it's, it's, it's awesome right it's very it's very easy on me right yeah. so um and and i genuinely enjoy listening to people share their stories and i genuinely enjoy how much i've learned and the connections i've made over over time and um that's really the, the point of the show it's it's bringing people together it's making connections with people it's interviewing interesting people and I people have been so generous with their time coming yeah. on the show and that's been the biggest thing. I mean some of the names I've had on the well, show are Well people, so let's I, let's talk about that because you you know your very first your very first interview from what I can find is a, a sort of Instagram celebrity but also a, a really good watch dealer Alex at uh, at your authorized dealer, sort yeah, of a, yeah. a classic OG, one of these OG Instagram heads. Um, mm-hmm. But then pretty quickly, you know, you're interviewing Angus from Alsta Watches, someone who we've had on the show, Vishal Talani, who's a little bit of an odd character, but also like a big character. I mean, this is you're pulling some like some big game and, really early on, and then you know, by like half a year in, you're getting you know. James Lambden, who is watch watch sort of superstar mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. Kathleen McGivney, you you've uh, interviewed Matt Farah, you've interviewed James Stacy, tons and tons of watch journalists for Telefolks. Um, yeah. you, you know what? Pretty quickly, you're interviewing pretty big names in watches. Two two questions to stem from that. One. How do you make these introductions? You know, we've got some experience with this type of thing, but how how are you at this point, you know, less than a year into your project, how are you making these contacts? And of those people, I'm going to make you choose a couple. They say this was maybe the most surprising or the most uh, exciting interview for you. That's a big question. Um, it's actually two questions, probably three. Kind of yeah. compound. Well, you, yeah, you know, okay. objection compound. Yeah, right. <laughs> let me let me let me let me let me try to take that in pieces. So what? Let, let's start at the first part. So, um, I mean, essentially, how I made the introductions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, you've yeah. got this show. You know, uh, yeah. it, I've got this young podcast, James Lambden. Uh, <laughs> why don't you yeah. come on my baby watch podcast and and do this killer interview and and yeah. both both of the shows you've done with james landon by the way really good sh- you know that guy's a great interview oh uh, he's yeah he's he's a pro right i mean he he's awesome but i mean i've um so alex so it actually it actually starts like right at the very um right at the beginning so uh your authorized dealer that came on the show mm-hmm. right um he is that he like he actually taught me like basically how to like use like Adobe Premiere Pro like he sh- taught me about editing he kind of helped me really figure out a lot of the equipment like he he was a really big support at the very he still is a big support but I mean he was there at the beginning really helping me establish everything I had to do and um, he uh, he has he's buddies with James 
Um, so I was introduced to James pretty much right off the hop. Um, and James is a really, really good guy. And he's mm -hmm. a really, really nice guy. And he, you know, even though he came on the show a little bit later, he was one of these guys who's like right off the hop. Um, you need somebody on the show. You need someone. You give me a name. I'll get him on your show. Um, and I, you can't ask for a better like mystery benefactor. It's yeah. like having Bruce, it's like having Bruce Wayne work for you, yeah. right? right? I mean, it's, it's he knows amazing, every, right? He knows right. everybody. And if he doesn't know somebody, he knows somebody who knows somebody, right? Like he's he's or one of they those know guys. him, and yeah, and yeah, they're just not on the list to be in his DM. Exactly. exactly. So I mean, he's 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 been so generous and kind in, in sort of helping me um, get some of the names on the show that I've gotten on the show uh, and, and has never asked for anything in return. He's an incredibly kind, uh, kind man who's done a lot to help me out, uh, especially at the beginning. Once you start getting names uh, like James, Kathleen, Adam Craniotis, I mean, uh, Davide Serrato from Tudor mm -hmm. and Rolex. I mean, that was a huge one for me. That was, I mean, not a lot of people get Davide on their, on their show, right? Um, when that happened, then you start to kind of build the resume a little bit and it gets easier. Right. Like when, you, when, you start, when you start saying, hey, like, you know, I've had this person, this person, this person, this person. It's like, well, hold on now. This I'm, guy's I, legit. Well, I hang out with these guys, right? I mean, like, I, I, they're, all good, they're good enough to be on the show. I'm good enough to be on the show. I'm and then, cool. And then, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't pretend to get into the psychology of these people, that these titans of the industry, right? But, <laughs> and, and I'm, in, and I'm, again, very lucky that they even gave me the time of day. But once you've started to establish yourself, I think you said it right, you know, as being legit, um, that's when. It, it sort of just every the gates just open up and and people are insanely approachable in this space right i mean everett we're here because you sent me a dm yeah right and it's like oh we just it, it's funny because we were chatting about something else and then finally you just said like because you were using a different account and you're like i'm the host from 40 and 20 i'm like dude why wouldn't you just tell me that off the hop <laughs> i'm like lead with that man like come on i'm like who, we I'm told like, you stocky man <laughs> we, we told you that right up front <laughs> Hey, it's okay. It's just in the. I mean, uh, I know. don't really attach my OnlyFans to my my forty and twenty account very often. So wow. you know, I usually wait until a little late. You should, man. You could be. You could be. I mean, you got a lot of followers on that OnlyFans account, man. But but uh, anyways, so I mean, people are so approachable, and and it's such a great space for this kind of stuff. Like people that might not always have the time to come on the show because they're busy like keeping the gears of industry turning or whatever they're doing. But if they had the time, they, I legitimately believe a lot of them would want to be on the show. Uh, they, they, people are just happy to talk about watches with anybody. And um, I, that is one thing I think is super unique. It's one of these industries that's really built on trust. And if you're kind of able to establish yourself as a, as a trustworthy person, a trustworthy source, a uh, a person who can you know respect the rules of like things like you know uh, pieces that are under embargo and stuff like that um there it's a really easy club to get into right the issue yeah. is when you're one of these people that's causing problems then you know you'll basically be blacklisted for life right yeah. or at least as long until the current guard that are in charge of you know the world that be that's watches move on and then there's new people and now that's, they don't know who you are anymore right that's why we haven't had davide on the show actually that, that's why yeah, yeah we've we've uh, done some things <laughs> Fair well enough. So, with, so, that, so, with that though you have these these 
big names. Titans of the industry, Titans as of you industry. said. I mean, and I think it's really appropriate. You also have people like Debbie. Come on, yeah. just like, okay. and which is not to not to belittle Debbie in any way. No. But you no, have, she is tiny. She's physically wow. tiny. But you have yeah. these. I've met her. Amazing. In, I've met her in person. Normal people yeah. who just love yeah. watch collecting on, and I think the spectrum of people mm-hmm. that you're bringing in is super super cool. Mm-hmm. You had a real yeah. question. No, you're right. I mean, I, I just just on the point with Debbie, who is amazing, by the way. One of my uh, favorite people. Literally one of like the sweetest people I've ever spoken to, and hilarious. Yes. Um. I like the industry isn't the industry without the everyday people, mm-hmm. the normal people, right? I mean, we are. Like, I mean, and really, like the personalities, like Debbie, people like you and me having these conversations, even the guy over on whatever God Watchers account or Watch Tasters account, bitching that he can't get his fucking Rolex or whatever, or you know, whatever, right? These, you know, without those people, there, this is nothing. Like this, like this community didn't exist. 40 years ago right i mean there was no watch community a watch was just something that you wore because you needed one right right and these we are the people that are making this a community and making this something special that is worth giving a shit about we're we're the reason that that you can do better than a brass plated fossil yeah i mean not not literally the three of us in in this conversation (laughs) mostly mostly us three capital w well (laughs) we're just some jabronis but i mean honestly like it's very true but it's it's you know the people are the ones that are making this a special space, and I think that it's incredibly important to capture those stories and personalities of those people because I mean I interview CEOs and 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 brand execs all the time, and I think they're awesome people. I think their brands are awesome, but it's tough for them because they have PR departments, yeah. they have HR you know, departments, HR departments, <laughs> PR department. Yes, there you go. Especially in this world, yeah. HR, you know. Yeah. You know, HR scarier than the PR people now. But I mean, you got HR, PR, you got, you know, uh, shareholder meetings and shareholders. They have to, you know, they can only say so much. They can only be so expressive. They can only go so much off sort of the beaten path. And and after a certain amount of time, I can see how that would sort of become um, repetitive to a certain degree to the listener. So I think it's important to really perforate all that with people who can be authentic 100%, can share their true stories, and can 100% be out there showing people who they are and really highlighting the unique personalities in the space. So, you you know, we, we've talked a little bit about some of the folks you've interviewed. I, I, I'd like to ask you sort of follow up on my question from earlier. Um, of, of the, you, you know, at this point, uh, you, you know, 85 or so interviews you have, mm. uh, can you give us some, maybe not, it doesn't have to be your favorite. We don't have to make pick favorites here, but perhaps some of the most surprising or the most interesting interviews you've done. You, you know, I've got sort of from my list, the the ones that I kind of highlight, but I'd like to hear from you. Which are those interviews for you? Oh, man. I feel like a mom being asked to choose which one's her favorite. <laughs> yeah, kid, I know. You, you got to choose. You got to choose. Um. I loved my interview with Davide. I thought it was like, I, I, and it's just so cool to be able to talk to somebody from, you know, the shield and crown. It just doesn't, it's so hard to get anybody period period to talk to 
anybody. Even ADs. And, I mean, oh, let's be real. But, well, I mean, right? I mean, so uh, let me see your buy history first. That's what the first thing they'll say, right? But I mean, the that was so cool. And to have him as early on as I did, I absolutely was just blew, blew me away. Um, VJ Geronimo from Oris, that was a really yeah. uh, cool one as well, too. I mean, Oris was a brand that I never had the... Um, you know, I've, I've had a couple, but I've, I don't have any in the collection. I, I've, you know, I've, my, I've, my tastes have changed a little bit as I've gotten older, and it's not really my, my thing. Um, but I love them as a brand. Um, John from Brew Watches, literally the nicest guy love, in the watch world. Love like that he, guy. Yes. Yeah. He's, the, he's the nicest human being, period. He's, and he's come on and like hijacked my, uh, my Instagram lives before and things like that, just to pop in and say hi. And like, he's, he's, just, he's such a cool cat. I, I, one of, one I, of my favorite people. I love chatting with him. I mean, James, obviously, we've already talked about him. Like his his interviews are just phenomenal. That guy's just, he's just one of those guys who just can always say the right thing, you know? And it just, it just, it comes out perfectly every time. And I, I really respect him. Kathleen, I've had Kathleen a couple times on now from Red Bar. She's an incredibly uh, important influence on the show and giving her time to kind of build a relationship with the show. She's, she's phenomenal. Tell Matt Farah. I was going to say, cool. tell us about Matt Farah because I think that's one of that's the most compelling want, interviews. Want, I knew that's who you wanted to hear about. So <laughs> give um, me, give me some, give me some smoking tire. Um, I guess like, what do you want to know? Like Matt's a cool guy. I mean, he, uh, how, how did you, how did you make that connection? You know, Matt Farah obviously has connections to the watch world. Uh, yeah, him I and mean, Cameron he's... Weiss for, for, you know, I think a year and a half or maybe just a year did a very, very fun, very good podcast where they record a video. So he's yeah. sort of in the community, but I feel like he was always one foot out. And then, you know, we found out sort of towards the end of his run that he was on contract and and he was like, I'm out, I'm done, uh, and, and that's fine. I, I I suspect exactly how you made that 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 contact based on the things you've already said today. Mm -hmm. But tell us a little bit about uh, you know how, how you get Matt Farah on the show, what that looks like. So Matt was um, actually I literally just sent him a DM. I was like, Hey man, this is who I am. This is what I do. Obviously, you're Matt Farah. Do you want to be on the show? And he said, Yeah, man, let's record next week. And I'm like. All right, <laughs> cool. And then, and then did, it, did it actually happen next week, or was it like phone tag back and forth trying to lock down a date? Was really that? Wow. No, he's like, give me a date. I'm like, this is the date? He's like, cool. Works. It works for me. And we both showed up on time, and we did our thing, and it's good. He's very um, like, he's got a big personality. He's a cool dude. He's a great interviewer as well. Obviously, he's a little bit more professionally trained because he's you know does a lot of like high quality production stuff. This is what he um, does. Yeah, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very business, very business guy. Like when the mic and the camera's off, very he's all business, and I can totally respect that. Yeah, and he was he was really really cool. Um, he, uh, I did a collaboration piece with um, P Dubay Watch Company, which is a company based in, in Detroit. Yeah, I saw I made, that. I, yeah, I made I made fifty watches. Uh, we used like a Cerakote and some you know forged carbon on the dial and and Artem straps for sale like sailcloth straps and crazy loom and made this really cool like tactical kind of watch um and i'm like and i know matt's uh matt is a um turtle collector so he loves seiko turtles and i just said hey man um i'm making one of these i know you like turtles i'm we're only making 50 they're serialized do you want one and he's like yeah no questions ask that me a link he bought one right away 
and 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 twenty uh, percent of it goes to uh, the sale of each one went to um, the Veterans Watchmaking Initiative to support that program. Um, so he was all about that and incredibly cool and supportive. Um, and yeah, just awesome guy. Matt was an awesome, awesome guy to chat with and really generous with his time and gave the show a big bump as well to having him on. That was uh, really, really cool to do that. James Stacy was awesome as well. Again, he, that was, that was through, through James. Um, yeah. he, uh, obviously they're all kind of in the same circle and, and, uh, James is, or, uh, James Stacy is a, uh, another Canadian. So, um, we were able to and you guys very Canadian yeah. accent with, with James Stacy, right? Well, there's no, he, he, there's no secrets about his Canadianism. No, no. And I mean, we, you know, we, I think when you're on this side of the border, um, you, there's just almost sort of this, it's an unspoken obligation that now I'm speaking about where you sort of need to, <laughs> you sort of need to, um, if you can try and support other Canadian content creators, whether it's Canadian strap companies, watch companies, other Canadian podcasts, whatever, because it's so hard. It's so different on this side of the border, how it is on the other side of the border. And if you have the opportunity to work with other Canadian, uh, you know, content creators, companies, whatever, it's so great to be able to do that. And we all try and kind of support each other when we can. And, and that's something that I think is really special. And I think, you know, there's maybe some of that going on when James agreed to be on the show. I don't know. You're, you're pulling some big fish, but you, you, we brought you on for, you know, number one to talk about your show and, and uh, mm. to steal your your tricks to, to sure. bring good guests on. Yeah. Uh, but also we wanted, <laughs> we wanted to have a conversation with other uh, micro brand knowledge people. Sure. And you talk about this limited edition watch doing these yeah. cool things like mm. super good loom, this tactical feeling, which is not the word you use. That's the word I'm going to use because I think that's maybe more appropriate because it's cool and tactical. Sure. just tactical. We want to talk a little bit about, some trends in the industry. And and we talked to Mike France a month ago, maybe? Yeah. Relatively yeah. recently. And we kind of talked, we talked to Mike a, 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 for a period. We call it, we call it Mike because we get big interviews occasionally too. Well, we talked to We him. had Mike. We called him Mike. I mean, I'm <laughs> addressing him. Awesome. Uh, it was super cool. It, like, I still have wet spots in my pants when I talk about it. Um, <laughs> Could have changed your pants for this episode. That would have been okay. <laughs> no, I haven't changed them. They're the same pants. Special uh, pants now. Yeah. They're, they're, it's raw denim. You don't wash those. No, you don't. Yeah. It's, Fair enough. It's seasoned now. Uh, but one of the things we talked about is trend setting and trend following. And sure. a point he brought up was the, the nimble capabilities of the micro brand world. And the small brand, yeah. you can call it micro brand boutique. We had, I don't know, multiple hours of argument on our on our watch clicker staff text thread about this and like some people we some some people got offended like we were getting shitty with each other about this terminology and why mm. we want to talk about that we want to talk about trends in sure. the micro brand industry not just what we're seeing but also the role that that micro brands have in trend setting okay i will 100% answer that but just on my last part of my Please. last question, the last question, I just want to wrap it up with one thing because I actually figured out the very diplomatic answer after putting all that effort into giving you a very undiplomatic answer. My favorite guest on the show was my dad. That's oh, it. That's the answer. There you go. That's I, the answer. I was kind of waiting it, for that, but no, that was the right well, answer. 
I'm a shitty son sometimes, but you know what? It was it was really cool to have him on the show, and who? How often do you get to have your own show and then have your dad as a guest on your show? That's it. I'll leave it at that. We'll launch your new your new, new topic here, but yes, yes, trends in micro brands. You, you know, great great segue to this. I notice you're wearing a watch. I think a very cool watch. A, a watch made by a guy who we've had on our show. So we don't really do wrist checks on our show. But yeah, we don't wear watches while we record. <laughs> but I do. Sacrilege. We bang them on the table. It makes too much noise. <laughs> I do know that you're wearing a watch made by Ken Lamb, the, the, Arkin, uh, the Arkin Instrumentum. And, and I love this watch it's one of the most surprising watches of the year for me and i think it really in some ways embodies the thing we'd like to talk about you you know we we talk on the show a lot about micro brands or small brands have this versatility this nimbleness um this dynamism that you don't find in the bigger brands And, and in some ways micro brands like andrew was saying are required to trend set but in other ways they're required to trend follow so that's kind of what we want to tap into. What are the trends? For better or worse, what are the trends of microbrands? And one of the things you brought up when we were talking about this earlier, Eric, is the idea that materials are are up to the up to the maker to determine. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we, we make a joke about the 316L <laughs> stat line, right? Um, <clears throat> which is fine. 316 L is a great material for, for any number of reasons. And, um, but it's become a bit of a joke, especially, if, you know, or at least for us, which it, it's this selling point. Well, every watch is made of 316 L. Unless it's not, but Unless it's not it's made not. of any other kind of steel. <laughs> Unless it's proprietary. And you know, well, it's, like, say, it's like saying a car has tires. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right? Tires like, yeah, of course rubber. it has tires. Four of them. It's a, it's a fucking car, right? I get it. I get it. Yeah, no. Um, so this watch, this watch, Ken Lamb, I think he's doing a lot of dangerous, hard things with this watch. Yeah. Uh, he's making hard decisions, style, but materials too, right? He's There's, using what, like T2 top to bottom design? I mean, shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably not the most uh, unbiased person because I am the uh, only current uh, Erkin ambassador. So yeah. I'm actually well, have a I actually have a partnership with them, and that's the show was the the, the ambassador sort of to Arkin, right? So um, very tight relationship with Ken. We talk almost daily and have since, geez, I don't know, basically when the show started. Um, and he's a phenomenal dude. He's got a really interesting history, which I think he gets a little. He's gotten a little bit into into my other episodes I've done with him on my own show. But um, the instrumentum is such a such a wonderful uh, wonderful watch and, and the second i saw the renders of it and i saw his photos of like the prototype i was like yeah that's that's something special um and if it wasn't going to be um the trendsetter going forward for watches it i think he made a very future-proof design uh, i think it's a watch that if it's not going to be relevant now it will still be it'll be relevant later and and he did some really cool things with it. Uh, just making a whole watch out of titanium. I mean, that's that's not an easy feat. Titanium is a hard uh, material to work with, and uh, I see it becoming easier to work with, which is how micro brands now are easy are, are able to uh, produce titanium pieces at a, at an attainable price now. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think that that sort of um, 
way we're seeing materials start to show up more in the micro brand space. That's something that's sort of demonstrating that a lot of these materials like carbon, for example, titanium, Cerakote, uh, like for example, with my watch that I designed, things like that, they're becoming more readily available. But but Ken did a phenomenal job on this watch. Have you guys, did you, did you guys order one or have you had the chance to have one in hand? We haven't either. I haven't had one. Did you have one? Uh, no, haven't had one in hand. You know, Ken is one of the few one of the few owners that we've had on our show before they have product. Um, yeah. We get you know, uh, Eric. I assume you're the same, but we get a lot of owners contacting us before they have watches really ready to go. And that's a gamble. That's a gamble, especially with these Kickstarter watches. Um, You know, it's, it's sometimes like a question, is this going to happen? And and it's, and it's hard to know that looking forward. As soon as we saw the instrumentum, we were like, this is really cool. We need to have Ken on the show. And and we weren't the first, he he had, he had started to make the rounds at that point. Um, But you, you know, right. It's one of these things. I, I will know. Ken is not the only one using titanium right now. We've got some no. other sort of small brands. Draken comes to mind. RZE, a little bit bigger brand, not not a brand I'd call a a, a small brand, certainly. A, a micro brand. Uh, Formex using titanium. We're we're starting to see. I think that effectively we can call titanium a trend right now. I think so. I think that it all. Um... I mean, there there have been titanium watches on the market for probably the last twenty years in some iteration, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. had even Casio was offering them at, at, a, at a decent price. I mean, T- Panerai was doing it as well, going a while back. Um, but I mean, you even get into uh, you know, I think the the really the first really big titanium watch that really stirred people up and got attention was the Pelagos from Tudor, right? And that was, yeah. you know, the first iteration with the ETA. And then later on when they went in-house, I think it got even more attention because it was kind of part of the whole in-house shift for Tudor. And ever since people have seen that, you know, titanium watches, and particularly dive watches, can be a commercial success, people want them and they want to try them out. And, and you know, Tudor is starting to go the way of Rolex where it's hard to get your hands on them sometimes. Um, and micro brands are, are there to fill that gap and, and offer people an opportunity to get something on their wrist or, you know, experience something on their wrist. They might not be able to. Otherwise, I think Ken did a phenomenal job, um, you know, making something that encompasses a lot of interesting design aspects that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else at its price point. I mean, this is a $500 watch. It's full titanium. It's got the ratcheting extending clasp. It's got this really cool kind of Vacheron-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can call it a Vacheron bracelet. Yeah, we're, we, we're, it's okay. We can call it a Vacheron bracelet. Maybe you can't. We can, yeah. though. <laughs> where are you gonna, but where are you going to get a Vacheron-esque bracelet for it, anywhere? It's 500 bucks, right? It's beautiful. There's not. It's one of the, it's like beautiful. I said, it, it's one of the most surprising releases in the last year for a lot of reasons number one is that it's designed top to bottom and number two is it like it just it we expected him to be sold out the moment he went live and it didn't happen i can i still to this day can't figure out why yeah i don't i don't i don't believe they sold out um but i know he sold a lot of them Ken yeah. won't even tell me how many he sold but he said he <laughs> sold a lot yeah. and uh, i can appreciate that um, I know. I think they said it ended up putting on a site that they're being limited to 300. Mm-hmm. So um, once they're gone, they're gone, and then there will be other iterations using the 
the instrumentive DNA going forward, as well as other models that will be developed going forward. But the instrumentum is going to be kind of like the core of the the collection for the next little bit. And and you know, Ken again, I, we'll we'll talk about Arkin in a little bit for a couple more seconds, and then we'll move on to other brands just because I want to. You know, we have a lot of brands we want to discuss, and you brought up quite a few already that I think are really interesting. But um, you know. Ken wanted to make this an expression, almost like a love letter to the watch fam, right? He's so incredibly passionate about the watch family and this community. He's one of these guys that's doing things the right way for the right reason. And he wants people to enjoy his watches and he wanted people to be able to get something special at an accessible price point. And that's why he made the Instrumentum. And mm -hmm. it's really one of those watches that needs to be experienced. And if you're able to do so and get your hands on one, I do not see you being disappointed. It's a really, really cool watch. Regarding some of the other pieces you're talking about or some of the other brands you're talking about that have started utilizing um, titanium, I mean, Formex, I mean, Formex is like, talk about an overnight success. That's an awesome brand that just came out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're making these incredibly well-made Swiss yeah. watches. And, and, and just incredible watches too. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, like not, just, not just well-made, just incredible. Yeah. You, you know, and, and we talked about this recently, Andrew. Uh, Formex, a brand I've had an opportunity to get hands on a number of times, and it, it's it's real. <laughs> it's <No>. really <laughs> it's really hard to understand what Formex is uh, from an Instagram post, right? Yeah, uh, these watches are so neat. The yeah, you know, I don't know how practical it is, but their suspensions. I mean. I was I, I have been really That's really a tool blown watch, away. Though. Yeah. A tool watch you can, I don't think you can truly appreciate the value of a tool watch until it's yeah. in your hands. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I, I really like about Formex and that I look for in basically any watch that I buy now, um, and it's one thing that I've really carried going forward into collecting because it, it makes it cuts out a lot of fluff from the the industry. I don't like derivative designs. I like brands that have established their own design language. Mm -hmm. Formex came out of nowhere, created a watch that looks like nothing else. And no, they're look Formex. At that yeah, look at that watch. It's a Formex, exactly, right? And and anything that looks even remotely like that, it's like, oh, you're you're trying to make another Formex, but yeah. Formex did it. And or and it's like a 1996 one-off from a brand <laughs> that decided, nah, we're not going to stick with this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or they're not even around anymore, yeah. right? Like it's so. I mean, there's that's really impressive, and that's hard to do. I mean, it's if we're talking about a, a, an industry that's been around for hundreds of years, and you know, tool watches have been around for you know, we're looking on probably 70, 80 years now. Like it's hard to come up with something that's completely one hundred percent original, and and they did it, and they did it well. And I got to give my kudos to Formex. Um, you know, I th I think we use the Instrumentum as the next jumping off point in in kind of themes in the micro brand industry and trends sure. that we're seeing. Uh, and I don't think it's trend setting. I think it's trend following and we're seeing it in the way of integrated bracelets. Yeah. And these are kind of not proliferating quite yet, but we're getting kind of the, the germination right now of seeing That's, integrated yeah. bracelets popping up here and there where, you know, two years ago, a year ago, we're not seeing it at all. Number one, because people don't like it, but number two is because it's, it's hard to do. And I think one of the things that microbrands have always prided themselves on is their versatility. An integrated bracelet destroys versatility. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You say that, that germination, I think that's a great phrase for, for what's happening because at some point I remember thinking, Integrated bracelets are something that it, that the microbrand eschews. It, it, 
particularly because it really limits your options. I mean, there's a there's a thing that happens when you get a watch with an integrated bracelet, be it a Seiko, you, you know, a, a, a 1998 quartz Seiko or whatever, right? You you now are limited. You can't put it on a NATO. You cannot put that on your toxic NATO. You can't do it. We we know that that's true. Your and you strap coat. That, you, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> There's this there's this thing that I think existed for a while uh, in in microbrands to the extent the microbrands were uh, a, a community or or followed some sort of CCNR. Uh, one of those was "Thou shalt not make uh, integrated bracelet," and I think we're starting to see that a, a, a bit of a germination, as Andrew said. Of of the integrated bracelet, I, I've I've written down a couple examples here. Um, Atelier Wen, mm -hmm. I'm probably not pronouncing that exactly right. It's artillery Wen, <laughs> Reta, Arkin. There's a number of brands that we've seen in the last year, and and I actually think this might be something that's catching. Uh, I, I think it's brands getting confident with their bracelet manufacturing. That's what I think. Like you can wear this on just my bracelet because I'm confident enough in my bracelet. And I think a brand like Arkin doing it is because he is confident enough in his bracelet. That's my thought. Eric? So, yeah, so I think I think there's a few parts of it. Um, I think there's, it's probably a, a two or three pronged answer. Um, and I think all of them play a factor. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think part of it is, is massive improvements in um, manufacturing and if you're if you're making a watch and the first thing the majority of owners do is rip the bracelet off brace it off throw it in a box and put a nato or something else on it that kind of tells you that you're making a shitty bracelet you know um i'm a bracelet guy i'm one of those guys that yeah, same you know that like well I, I like i've tried to put watches on other straps and it's like if it came with a good bracelet that was intended to be the stock bracelet, I always end up back on the bracelet because it's just like, this is the way the watch is supposed to be. And I never really, like, I had, a, I had a, a, being an Omega guy and then having like a Speedy as well, like you get those really just like squared off kind of like non-tapered bracelets that, you know, Omega was known for, particularly in the 2000s. Yeah. And I never found them comfortable. Mm -hmm. The first time I put the Pelagos on and it had that nice tapered bracelet that it had on it that was, you know, Rolexes are kind of synonymous with, I was like, oh yeah. This is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, I get and, it now. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I get it now. Exactly. Right. And, and you know, I've tried putting the Pelagos and other straps and I've always wanted to keep it on the, uh, I wanted to keep it on the bracelet because the way it's supposed to be the, the biggest, well, I wouldn't say the biggest, but probably another part that I think is very important is realizing you're leaving money on the table when you create a 20 millimeter, 22 millimeter, 18 millimeter, uh, lug width that now anyone can go to a third party for it to provide a strap for right mm -hmm. essentially it's like when omega like when omega went in-house and started creating the 8500 series movements the biggest thing that happened is that now you can't take your watch anywhere else to get it serviced it's so got to go to right. omega so the little old man down the street you'd service your omega for 100 bucks you know because it had an eta movement in it he can't do it anymore because Omega won't give them the tools. Now you got to go to Omega and pay 800 bucks for them to service your watch, yeah. right? So now it's, oh, you know, I think I want another bracelet or another strap. Um, but, you know, I can't, 
I can't go get a normal one. I have to go back to the manufacturer and then it's like, oh, hey, joke's on you. Your strap's $250. Here you go. Let, let me just say, if the old guy down the street services your Edda movement for 100 bucks, bring him a $100 bill and also bring him a bottle of McAllen because that's oh. no, that's a fucking deal. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> well, doing it right. Yes. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm using hyperbole. And whatnot, no, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you understand the point. The, the point I'm making, right, is that it's generally a lot cheaper to go to a third party than it yeah. is. Well, to certainly cheaper than to go back to the to, to Omega. I mean, to any of these exactly. luxury Swiss retailers, you're, you're going to pay way more going to them for servicing. And your watch is going to be gone for four months too, right? So, I mean... Optimistically. Well... Yeah. You know, I'm trying to give people some hope, but I mean, that's how, that's how it goes. I mean, that, that's how she goes, boys. So it's just, it, it is what it is, unfortunately. And, and I think that, you know, uh, even uh, micro brands have now realized that they have this capability to manufacture these high quality straps, bracelets, and they can just make their own. And then they can charge you, you know, sometimes exorbitant prices to, to pick up their strap or, or their or their bracelet. And um, then you're forced to go back to the dealer, back to the supply, right? So that that's my big thing. Um, I think, you know, also they are cool. And it's an, uh, it's an opportunity to create a more um, artistic expression that continues on into the bracelet without just being like, okay, now it's got a standard lug width. Yeah, just slap an oyster on it and let's get it out the door boys like you know that it gives you the opportunity to create something that really you know flows from the case into the bracelet and wraps around the wrist and do some really cool stuff i mean that's you know what we love gerald genta designs for is their integrated mm -hmm. bracelets because it yeah it's an expression of the watch as a whole not just as the head of the watch and then the bracelet or the strap it's an afterthought right it's not right? just the shoes it's it's the whole the whole get up it's the whole fit, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of, you know, to me, those are the big reasons why now we're seeing that shift happen. And I guess I think micro brands are, are really the ones who are who are blazing the trail on good, affordable bracelets. Because I have a bucket load of Seiko bracelets that are just sit in the box. But like yeah. Traska, this bracelet is never coming off. Yeah. Number one, because it doesn't scratch. This thing is, is absolutely indestructible. But like my Monta bracelet never comes off. The Christopher Ward bracelet doesn't come off. And these are these small brands that are leading the charge on extremely comfortable bracelets. And I think they're well ahead of their price point competitors in big brands. Well, I mean, there's, you're right. And I think that they're, I mean, regardless of the price that they charge, there's always going to be value mm -hmm. in the micro brands. That's, that's kind of the whole point. Right. right. Is they're, giving you, they're giving you so much value for what you're getting because you're cutting out so much of the fluff that otherwise inflates the prices of these mm -hmm. luxury pieces. Um, but I mean, here's a perfect example of, of you know, sort of to, to counter the um, the argument for, our, for uh, you know, bracelets that are, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the word now. Integrated. It's been a long, it's been, yeah. Thank you. It's been a long day, boys. I'm sorry. I wish I had coffee and not just water in this cup. You've really um, disappointed us. You're, you're doing us. it wrong. We're drinking beer, man. We're, we're getting, well, getting tatered right now. I, I'm, a super, I'm a super lightweight, man. I wouldn't be making any fucking sense if that was, just, if that was the case. But um, no, the, uh, the integrated bracelets is this, you know, Zinn, for example. So mm -hmm. Zinn, I mean, not really a micro brand, but they were yeah. like a smaller brand for a long time. Sure. Not, not but, a micro brand at all. But yeah, but I mean, point taken. Like, the majority of their watches, you know, they come on a bracelet. They come on bracelets that are sort of iconically Zen. If you get, and, if you can get the watch that you want, 
yeah, well, yeah. it didn't used to be a problem now it <laughs> yeah. is. But I mean, yeah, you can you can get the watch that you want, but I mean, essentially, you know, they have their own bracelets that I think they do a really good job of integrating that bracelet into the design of the watch while not giving you an integrated bracelet per se. Right, sure. Um but I mean, also they give you like the same shitty clasp they've been producing since 1989, <laughs> right? So I mean, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest yeah. gripe of Zins, right? But I mean, there's an example of how giving that attention to detail now there's not that obsolescence to the design of your bracelet that people are like, ah, this blows the same thing everything else has. I'm going to go buy something else. It's like, oh, like this works with the watch. This was part of the intention in the design, and I think yeah. Zin did a really great good job with that. And that's kind of you know if. But for so long, micro brands, you're picking from a catalog, yeah. right? I mean, we've really seen like the micro brands that we're talking about today and the micro brands of the world today that we get excited about. That wasn't a thing until probably what the last 10 years, optimistically, more like yeah. five. Yeah, yeah five. five yeah. I think it's more realistic, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I, do, you, do you remember the Helsons and Armidas of the day? That's right. Yeah. Just I mean, fucking and, catalog oyster well and just, it. And, and just bricks just yeah. brick sharp angled bricks and don't yeah. get me wrong they're smaller owe... invictus that's all they were well uh, they were, were I had a... big yeah. ass I had sh- no that's not true i mean a shark hunter that's a fucking no. dope that's watch a, that, but I, the shark hunter it stands out against the crowd the, the shark hunter is dope listen, listen i we owe as a community so much to those brands those brands yeah. were like we're talking the fucking model t's of right. micro brands right mm-hmm. i mean those were the trailblazing watches and brands that created the market for micro brands that we have today we owe so much to them but you look back at them compared to what we have today and you're like jesus like we, we pay like 600 bucks for these things back yeah. then or right, 400 yeah. right you know and, well and, and, it it's it's so we'd still pay 600 bucks for them right now i looked at a shark hunter recently it's still 600 bucks it's it's a really interesting thing right if i think at some point probably circa like 2014 2015 micro brand for all intents and purposes meant overbuilt that was a term that was that was popular in micro brand terminology back then uh overbuilt dive watch right Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is some variation on a rolex submariner probably yeah oyster bracelet overbuilt this thing's going to be heavy it's going to be chumpy it's going to be angular right i want to talk about another trend in micro brands because something i've noticed here in the last sort of like an integrated bracelet where there's a germination happening i think we're seeing more micro brand dress watches so we famously did an episode about a year ago called the dress watch is dead we called it rip dress watches r.i.p dress watches yep and i think that we're seeing a resurgence of the entry level small brand dress watch and i and i think this is a good time for us to talk about this just a little bit so of note, just in the last, and I think we can we can redefine dress watch a little bit because we're not getting a traditional no water resistance, no functionality, no loom dress watch. We're getting dressy sport watches. Yeah, well, dressy so, field watches, right? Like yeah, effectively, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so yeah. so let me bring up a couple of examples that I looked at. So Walden, 
this is a this is a classic uh, or, or sort of a heritage brand out of New York, and, and it's totally different than what it was. But Walden is a brand that's making you know the zombie quartz watches, yeah. quartz watches, fairly dressy, really attractive, high quality affairs, Baltic just recently introduced what I think could only be described as a dress watch. Cincinnati yeah. Watch Co. is doing it. Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati, yeah. Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Corona Toki. We've seen a number of watches come out from brands in the last, let's say, 18 months. And we call it, I mean, I think we call the Traska Commuter a dress watch. Well, yeah, you put I it on leather, don't. It's a dress watch. That's a sport watch, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean. I hear what you're saying. So I think we're seeing a... Uh, uh, the ability for these brands, you know, the Helsons are not the only game in town anymore, right? We're, yeah. we're starting to see sort of a return to a affordable small brand dress watch. What do you, what do you guys think is going to happen there? Hmm. I'm hmm. not a dress watch. I'm not. Well, I'm not a dress <laughs> watch guy. Okay, so I, I'll I'll start there. I'm not that. I'm not that guy. Okay, I'm not. I'm not the dress watch guy. I I wear a diver every day. Um, I have one dress watch and it's, well, I guess I, I have one dress watch and one sort of dress watch. I have a, an original like 1953 Omega Seamaster dress watch and I have a, uh, which is like 34 millimeters. And then I have a, uh, Seiko a, a tool watch, just, a tool watch in its time. It's, well, exactly. It, it, time, in its yeah, time, a tool yeah, watch. I mean, I wore, I wore it to get married in. That's why I had it. And it, it was, it was a great dressy kind of watch for that occasion and then i had i have a seiko bellmatic which i guess would be like a business watch i wouldn't call it a dress watch but yeah. a business yeah. a business appropriate watch right serves a purpose it's kind of a tool watch in its own right super cool complication but my, my point is i don't know if i'm the most qualified to speak on dress watches so before i offer an opinion i don't want anybody to hold it against me no opine wildly that's what we yes. do here <laughs> well i just i don't i don't need to get canceled by the Twitter mob because I say something about dress watches that hurts a few. You're not going to get canceled on our show. It's just our moms and your dad. (laughs) There you go. Fair enough. Um, I, uh, I think it's an interesting, it's interesting to see. I think that it's sort of one of those things where it's like the next natural step because particularly in the micro brand space, it's always been dive watches. Yeah. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's always been dive. I mean, chronos are too expensive to make as a micro brand company. Yeah. That, that Unless are you're going to go quartz and people quartz. just yeah. just fucking hate, hate quartz hate and I don't get it. If it, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you want an automatic chronograph or a manual wind chronograph, it's a little easier to get manual wind in the in the micro brands yeah. in the micro brand space because of like brands like Seagull, for example. Um, but like if you want an automatic chronograph, just fucking pay the money. Go buy an automatic Hamilton, pay your 700 bucks, and you got one. Right? If you want a supercar, you're not going to get it for Civic price. You're just not. It just doesn't exist. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, you could buy an affordable one. If you want a Ferrari engine, you can go buy a Maserati. And, you know, I, I mean, it, yeah. you, could, you could do that but and pay a little bit less. But, I mean, really, like, go to the perfect. If you want a complex, complicated watch that has a unique complication of some kind or, or an expensive comp, just go to the people that are doing it right. Yeah. But when it comes to micro brands, the focus has for so long just been exclusively on dive watches. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of did this weird 
field watch thing where everyone was obsessed with field watches and everyone was pumping out a field watch which was cool it was interesting it was something it was a departure from the norm of of dive watches all the time and now i think it's just sort of the next evolution the next evolution it's the next natural step it's like what's cost effective what can i sort of work into my established uh catalog now that you know we a lot of these brands have dedicated followers it's like oh i love baltic i love their dive their dive watches i love their style why not get a Baltic yeah. a Baltic dress watch, right? And I think it's just the next affordable, reasonable step for Michael brands to do. And it's really right now, I think it's kind of like the people, the brands that are doing it, they're, they're testing the waters, right? I mean, this could either be the next big thing or it could just be dead on arrival for a lot of these brands. And it's uh, like, okay, we'll just go back to divers because that's what people want. Do you know I what think I think it, we're seeing? Go ahead. I think we're seeing a return to pre-World War II billions of watch brands who are all yeah. viable. Yeah, well, because I think we're, we're in that world. We're in that. We're yeah. in that world where there can be a hundred watch brands yeah. who are all, maybe they're not doing their own manufacturing, but they're all doing their own design. They're all doing their own marketing. They're all independently viable watch brands that can exist within the space. Yeah. We're going to have, I mean, we've already had it. We've had flash in the pan watch brands that show up they do a run they do three five seven hundred watches and then they're never to be heard from again we we yeah. see we we're seeing this happen this is this pre-world war ii proliferation of watch brands we're there we're in the golden age again and i think by way of being there brands have a lot more freedom to do things that they couldn't have done in 2015 and yeah. i and i think much like the integrated bracelet much like the dress watch much like the smaller watch, you yeah, know, we've now seen mm -hmm. we, we, we've now seen uh, Traska, Laurier, obviously. C36. I don't know if that's what they're calling it, but Christopher Ward has promised a 36 millimeter. Christopher Ward is going to dip into that field. So we're starting to see just brands able to open their wings a little bit and do a thing that they maybe couldn't have done. So if, if there is a trend, I would say the trend is proliferation of idea right we, yeah. we no longer have to have the chunky sub homage micro and that's that's been the case for for many years now but, but we're in a watch renaissance we're in a watch renaissance and, and and if there is a trend i i think that that is it i think we should all enjoy it the next time you hear someone say oh we, do we need more watches the answer yes. is yes the answer is yes we need more watches even if they suck we need more <laughs> give me more uh, it, it, it's a, it's an amazing time to be into watches because it empowers that creative spirit. That's right. Right. No, Laurier doesn't exist without the existence of a creative spirit. Brew doesn't exist without the existence of a creative spirit within this community. And these are some of our favorite watches in this space. You know, I love John. I love John. The finishing on brew watches is good. But it's nothing to go crazy about. No. The design the, is great. It, it's that just, watch is 100% design. People like John because he's an amazing guy. But people like brew watches because they're fucking crazy and amazing. They're fun and they're cool. And that doesn't exist without, frankly, brands failing. Brands putting out a watch and saying, this is what I have for you. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't scratch the itch. Yeah. They just mistime it. All right. It doesn't happen without that. All right. All right. All right. All right. Oh, wait. 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 All right. Okay. So, so we're going to 
look, we're getting long in the tooth here. That's our thing. But I've got... We I, produce the only hour and a half long one <laughs> hour podcast. All right. I've got a really important question for Eric. Right. Wanna... Speaking only of their time in Edmonton, only of their time in Edmonton, Coffee, Messier, Griffey, Griffey, not Griffey, Gretzky, go. I'm a bad Canadian. I don't watch hockey. Jesus Christ. I've been waiting for an hour and seven minutes. You're Canadian and you don't watch hockey? Yeah. Is so this like a, a national I, I, pastime? It, it is. I mean, I, I don't Gretzky. watch baseball if I'm being fair here. but I heard him say Gretzky, and I think that's Gretzky, a fair. I, it's yeah. a fair. Yeah, yeah. Gretzky's Gretzky's safe, the guy. It's a safe answer. Yeah. Look, Gretzky is the goat of goats. He is. And he spent his... He spent his his best years in Edmonton, so I think it's a fair answer. Although I think there's an argument for Messi. People who don't even know hockey know Wayne Gretzky, the goat of and goats. It, yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, so I'm going to go with him. Wait, Wayne Gretzky and Tony Hawk are the two most transcendent, and Michael Jordan, three most transcendent athletes Muhammad of all time. No, uh, I don't know, but there's people who don't know Cassius Clay. Okay, <laughs> all right. There's a problem there. Well, right? like, look, Eric, yeah. I gotta be honest. I'm a little bit disappointed, but you know. is there is there is there like an option B? Is there a better question I can answer for you? No, because that's the only thing I know about Edmonton. It's the only sport in Canada. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's there's the Raptors. Andrew, oh, other things. What you got? So I didn't take the time to see if I'm circling back to another thing or not. But frankly, I don't care. No, you are for sure. I'm, I'm confident that I am. You you are. I'm telling you. You didn't look. I know you didn't look. You're I'm just, just confused now. So I started rewatching a TV series. I was on Netflix the other day and I'm just like scrolling. And I'm like, I don't want to watch. There's too many things. Fucking problems. Uh and the Peaky Blinders tile came up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like... It's a great show. Okay. Round two, Peaky Blinders is knocking my socks off. Way more than round one. I've watched the whole series. I know what's going to happen. I am more titillated round two. This show is... You're so- titillated. Yes. Way more than round one. And for those of you who have somehow missed the boat on this 2013 to... I, the last season came out in February, I want to say. Yeah, I think they're making another season or they're working on one. No, they... Shut things down. It the- just aired. Oh, so it's airing right now if it didn't air? So 3 April of 22 was when season six dropped. And I know I've watched it. I don't know how I watched it. Doesn't matter. I've watched it. I'm totally caught up. I've seen the whole thing. And this series is so much better round two. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor. They're, sh- they're hour-ish long episodes. Mm-hmm. There's only 36 episodes. A lot of the shows we recommend are asking like 80 to 100 hours of your commitment. This doesn't feel like a commitment at all. It's super well acted. It's super well written. Written. It's not like drama for the sake of drama, right? We're not talking about like Yellowstone, where for some reason there's like a rival gang showing up in Montana to fuck up your world. This is real like 1920s gangland Sopranos kind of feel of 
expanding your gangland industry, and it's so fucking good. You, you know, I've thought about this a little bit. Peaky Blinders, uh, it, it's a wonderful show. The characters are amazing. The characters are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the the guy who plays Bane? Oh God, you're gonna ask me that? It's um, t- Tim Tom. Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. Tom Hardy's character in Peaky Blinders is totally nuts. It's why he got Bane. It is totally nuts. So look, this show, so so the era, so this is post-World War One, post-Great mm-hmm. War England. These folks are, are World War One veterans. And and in in the world, what you're seeing is this transition from it's the Industrial Revolution. We're it, seeing the the onset of it. But I I think I think maybe more importantly for for us us today, it's this transition from quote unquote modernism to postmodernism, and mm. you're you're just you're just right at the edge of seeing these characters show up with these very postmodern ideas. And that that might be a little bit uh, that might be a little bit deep for our conversation today, but it is a wonderful show. It's the so characters good. are so well developed beyond beyond what they have any business being. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love yeah. That show. Every and every character you meet is well developed. There's some peripheral characters, right? Like to just keep the story moving. But even those characters, like you understand who they are and why they matter. Watch Peaky Blinders. I'm really glad I'm going for round two. If you haven't done round two, do round two. Eric, other things, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, just sort of off of what you were bringing up regarding Peaky Blinders, and then I'll kind of bring up my own little topic there. Terrific show. Um, it's a really unique kind of... It explores a part of history that isn't usually, usually explored on television, which right? is that like end of the imperial era of england end of this colonialism to the extent that they had up to that point you know seeing that life of sort of like what the great depression was like across the pond you know like you see some of this poverty i mean this movie takes or the show takes place in like the 20s the 30s and we're talking like the you know the dust bowl era the dirty Mm -hmm. 30s you know for what's going on in america you're seeing what's going on across the seas uh you know you're having these these guys who yeah you're right i mean they went through world war one i mean we're talking like that's a war that's crazy bad stuff right that went on over there and seeing them come back and adjusting to normal life and it almost like it just it makes so much sense also like it's one of those movies or one of those shows i keep saying it's a movie it's one of these shows that you know they don't do anything just for the sake of doing it everything that happens from the plot line has a reason to it and it matters and it makes sense and that's what i loved about it and and you're right it's one of those shows where you can go back and rewatch it and when you now that you know kind of what the general plot is you're not hanging on to the edge of your seat you can pick up on so many little things that you maybe didn't notice the first time and it makes it that much more of a cooler show and i totally dig it i totally yep. sopranos was like that too exactly. breaking bad shows like that right yep. but i mean again sopranos breaking bad you're talking hundreds of hours i mean they have eight nine seasons things like that right yeah. but yeah of 12 great episode seasons yeah oh yeah great 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 show to get into i'm glad you glad you brought it up and recommended it um i'm a big sci-fi nerd i love uh you know so like one of the things with the show it's not watch related it doesn't involve the show is like the name of the show um because my name's eric i go by rico on the show um literally the same number of letters and three out of four of them are the same so it's kind of a shitty nickname (laughs) um but uh i i went uh i went with uh rico's watches because i'm a really big sci-fi nerd and 
there's a movie that was made in the 1990s, and I, it is on Netflix. I, I know this movie. You know this movie. It's. I hope you don't like bugs. It's. Uh, God, I fucking was so ex- hoping you would say this. I got you, Starship Troopers, man, and Starship Troopers, and I, I didn't know this, and and this is. It's on my summer reading list now. I've actually already started it. it was actually a 1959 novel that was written. It's the best book I've ever I read. I've bought a new copy and I've worn it out. Oh, it's so yeah. cool, man! It's and reading and the reading the. You know the the view on this book. It's it's a really interesting book because it's is this is a book that was written post World War Two. It was written uh, kind of because we weren't in the Korean War. You guys were though. Korean War years. I was like fifty one mm. to fifty seven or something. Yeah, or one, it, yeah, it's in Korea. Yep. In there, yeah. Um, the so we're talking just post Korean War. Still, you know, not a super popular war, but a lot more popular than Vietnam was. Um, and now you're looking at a point of view of, of the author who actually was a, a vet of, I believe, both wars and his view on what society would be like going forward into the future and sort of what would be necessary for society to survive in this post-colonial uh, era of going outward into space, right? Now we're going out and expanding outward into the universe. We're doing what humans do best, which is rape, pillage, kill, and take over shit that isn't ours. And we're real and- good at it. And we're real fucking good at it. So that's what we do is we go out in outer space and start doing to everyone else in the galaxy that we've been doing to each other since the dawn of time. And some, you know, uh, organisms take great exception to that. They take great umbrage with that sort of behavior and uh, start to do the same to us. In fact, they're actually better at it than we are. Not to spoil anything, but that's their thing is that they're better at it than we are. There was something like it was something like if all the if it was it was either all the spiders or all the insects in the world somehow started communicating and working together, they could literally wipe us out in twenty eight days. Oh, that'd be easy. You know how many people are scared of spiders? Right, but like literally, <laughs> but like literally, like just just devour us all, absorb all of our biomass, and just you know be done with us, right? Like it's crazy, but it's so cool. And the the the, the book, I mean, the, the the movie was written a little bit more or. or shot in a little bit more of a contemporarily because it was in the 90s. So it was a huge cool. miss relative to how good the book is. I, I will tell it, you. It was. I, it, it was. I think that movie's underrated. It's a, I, I agree. I watched I that, movie that movie three underrated. times a uh, it, It's not the book. And the book is a post, postmodern masterpiece. However, yes. however, that movie's severely underrated. It's. Yes. I agree. It is incredibly underrated. And it's one of those ones that's aged like a fine wine. The older I get and the more I watch that movie the more I love it. And it, it, to me, it's like one of those movies, uh, kind of like Peaky Blinders was, as mm-hmm. a show where the more you watch it, the more cool stuff you notice. And then when you start to read the book, and I'm still not done the book, but I'm, I'm, I'm reading the book now, it's like, this is so cool to like be able to ca- compare back and forth and you see the characters that are very similar to yeah. the ones in the book and it's it's cool. And so anyways, that's the namesake for the show is instead of Rico's Roughnecks, it's Rico's Watches Podcast. Yeah, right as soon as you said that, I was like, he's he's about to talk. He's going to be Rico's Roughneck. Uh, Dizzy to this day is like one of my greatest sustained childhood into adulthood crushes. There you go. I mean, that's... I think she. I think that was a lot of people's crushes, especially yeah. at the time that that was that the the movie came out, and and it was it was a really neat film and the way it was shot. It was I think it was like a, a famous French director made mm-hmm. the movie, if I recall. Ooh, I don't and remember who who directed it. It, it was a name I hadn't heard before, and I haven't heard mm-hmm. since. Um, but my understanding is he's a big deal, particularly in Europe, and it was 
really, really interesting. I, that's all I can say. He did Robocop get... and, yeah, Hollow Man. Yeah, Paul, Paul a significant Verhoeven. guy, Verhoeven, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He, Sweet. He, he, he's, he's a player. Uh, well, look, you guys. So you've we've now talked about, uh, I mean, surprisingly intellectual conversations about uh, about not immediately accessible intellectual things. Uh, I'm going to talk about an accessory for a tripod. You're going to bring it down. Is Thank that you. okay? Is Please, that okay if bring, I dumb this down? Bring a us bit? down a notch. Uh, look. I've got a tripod. It's a nice tripod. It's not an expensive tripod, but in you terms a, of... You have a Manfrotto. That's a yeah, nice tripod. It's not a Manfrotto. It's a me photo. <laughs> I thought you had a Manfrotto. I've got... I think it was like a $160 tripod. It's oh. very well built. It... Uh, one of these brands that came out sort of circa 2010, 11, um, right at the time where the tripod... I would say there was a bit of a tripod revolution happening. There was. And I got a very good sort of direct-to-consumer tripod. Uh, but it, it, it's it's starting to get a little older, and it's starting to become a little bit limiting. And one of the things that I've been struggling with is overhead shots. So I either need to, like, pull whatever my shirt, shooting surface is underneath the tripod. Which or, is hard. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky. So someone told me recently, well, you can get one of these aftermarket boom arms. Um, you, you know, basically a, a bar that sits on top of your tripod horizontally. And so I found a, I found a boom arm from a company called, I think it's newer, 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 uh, this N-E-E-W-E-R. is they're a player, right? They're a player in sort of affordable Chinese made, uh, photography accessories. Uh, they make you know, you know umbrellas, any number of things. They're they're sort of the the um, the cream that's rise to the top in terms of of these brands that uh, feel like mushroom brands. Uh, but I I picked up one of their boom arms, and if you go to Amazon and type in your boom arm, you'll be able to find this thing. And and Andrew is kindly going to link, link it. this in the show notes. But I bought this thing, and it's not exceptionally well made. I paid 40, 40 ish, forty eight bucks bucks for this thing, and um, it came in a little box, and <laughs> with you know, this is not nicely packaged. It was for you know forty five bucks. I hooked this thing up to my tripod, and it does it does exactly what I wanted it to. I have, with a forty five dollar purchase, made my tripod instantly so much more versatile uh it, it's totally non-destructive installation uh and <laughs> i love this thing this has totally changed the way i do watch photography so two weeks ago a week ago even i could not get my camera directly over the top of my watch and for 45 bucks i can now extend my camera over the top of my photo for over it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And and you can put this on, I think, just about any tripod. It's fantastic. I it love it. It does appear non-limiting. It, it is well-made. I wouldn't say it's exceptionally made. There's some plastic pieces that m might be better if they weren't plastic. Um, it, it, it's not a, a super high-quality product. I don't think it has to be. It is functionally 
exactly what it needs to be. And I just love it. I like, I've been taking more pictures because this thing is so nice to use. And as I'm, you'd see by our Instagram, because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so uh, that's my other thing for the week. It's not literature, certainly by, by any, any uh, interpretation of the word. Uh, however, it is my other thing for the week. That's a good other thing. It's not literature, but it's still art. Exactly. It, it may enable you to make art. I accept that also. Eric, it's been great, man. I really, really, really appreciate you uh, being willing to come on and just talk. Uh, talk about yourself, which I think is something you have not done a lot. I'm glad to have had that opportunity to talk about you a little bit. Anything you want to add before we get out of here today? No, uh, honestly, just thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. You guys are a blast to uh, to chat with and and... You are, um, the show is an absolute credit to the space. I'm going to be uh, sub- subscribing and listening to the show. Um, and I can't stand the sound of my own voice. So I, you can uh, skip I your should, own. Yeah. I'll skip my own probably, but, uh, I want to listen to other ones. And, uh, I, I really think that, you know, uh, people need to be checking out your show. I'll be sharing it with my audience, uh, likewise and getting people excited about it. Just thank you. I had a great time and you guys are awesome. And I hope. So someday soon we could do this again, either on my show or your show again. I think that'd be fantastic. Really, really good, Eric. Thank you so much. Uh, Andrew, I, I know I can just tell by the fucking stupid smile on your face. You don't have anything good to say. Nothing ever. <laughs> Nothing. Not ever. Not once. Hey, you guys. Look, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. I, I, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to check out Eric rico's watches podcast you can you can find rico's watches podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcasts spotify apple uh you can check us out at watchclicker.com look that's our website uh also on instagram at watchclicker at 40 and 20 we'll post pictures articles really good stuff from time to time if you want to support what we're doing at watch clicker you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20 that's how we uh pay for things like these fancy microphones this nice mixing board, all the software, all the hosting, uh, and it's a lot of money. So we appreciate your support. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Goodbye. <laughs>